chapter eight of lady jim of curzon street this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox lady jim of curzon street by fergus hume chapter eight two hundred pounds lady jim rapidly ran over in her mind such of the most pressing liabilities as she could recollect and shuddered at a total of two thousand they owed that and many other debts which for the moment escaped her memory so far as she could see nothing remained but a compulsory journey through the court not that she really minded bankruptcy plenty of people accepted as immaculate by society made use of that desirable institution to get a receipt for past extravagances on the plea of having lived beyond their incomes she and jim could make the same excuse with perfect truth and would doubtless be enabled to make a fresh start and if a few tradesmen were ruined what did it matter they always overcharged and it might be a lesson to them not to worry customers no the bankruptcy court matters very little but the want of ready cash mattered a great deal leah cared nothing about paying the bills but ardently desired to have a refilled purse and no bother about such vulgar things as pounds shillings and pence it was perfectly idiotic of the duke to be so stingy if he had come down with a thousand she and jim could have enjoyed themselves abroad for a couple of months and meanwhile he could have paid these troublesome tradesmen but two hundred pounds did the old fool take them for the respectable middle-class couple living in slate-roofed houses to which she had alluded without jim's assistance she could get rid of that trifle in a fortnight i believe your father's brain is softening she complained crossly i'm not responsible for his crazy arithmetic retorted jim with the helpful addition of a few adjectives but beyond swearing as much as he dared in her presence jim could offer no assistance and leah concluded that after all it might be necessary to trust demetrius her husband having gained some faint idea of the novel had ended in declining to turn fiction into fact his remarks were not without shrewdness the chap who writes the story knows what's goin' to happen said jim when pressed for his opinion and can invent circumstances to dodge results but if we start a yarn of this kind on our own we don't know what the end'll be oh yes protested leah very patiently considering she disagreed entirely you'll disappear and i shall become a widow with my share of the twenty thousand and how long will your share last asked jim derisively that depends upon my mood some time i expect seeing that your death will force me into retirement and crape is not so very expensive and when you get through your lot jim what will you do that's what i'm asking you said jim evasively and continued hurriedly lest she should insist upon a disagreeable explanation sides there's my father to be considered since when have you taken him to your heart 
oh it's all very well talkin but your father's your father when all's said and done the duke doesn't think me a saint but he'd be sorry to see me die no one wants you to die she said impatiently that's bunkum and and what's the word might i suggest sophistry said lady jim quite aware that her reasoning was fallacious oh you'll suggest anything to get your own way but what i mean is that though i do die i don't really die how clearly you put things jim please yourself we must go back to town with this money to be whitewashed and eyeing the cheque contemptuously she saw that it was unfortunately made payable to jim her husband stretched for the cheque and slipped it into his waistcoat pocket i'm going to see the duke myself he announced and tell him everything what about the money we've raised on the income every blessed thing said kames doggedly he's my father and it's his duty to square things he mightn't follow your reasoning murmured leah with one hand on the mantelpiece and the other holding up her skirts to warm one foot but you can't make a much worse mess of it than lionel has made two hundred pounds he must have thought he was asking money for some old woman shall i come with you jim no he halted at the door to deliver himself of the remark you're like a red rag to a bull oh very well i only thought you'd like me to translate your talk into something resembling english don't you fret yourself i'll make him understand and if i do get things squared cried jim warming at the thought of his heroism and facing an angry parent you'll have to drop spending money and live as other women do yes dear james and you'll live as other men do won't you i'll do what i jolly well please and why james there never was a saint jim that i ever heard of mused leah turning pensive eyes on her exasperated husband and as you wish to canonize yourself of course you must change your name yes james she moved swiftly towards him and detained him gently by the lapels of his coat from this time forth we'll live in holy matrimony and pig it on what's left of the income curzon street given up bayswater remains and there james darling we'll live a life of extremely plain living and high thinking don't talk bosh growled jim trying to escape but she held on no james i won't if you will only raise my intellect to the level of your own and think what a delightful existence it will be james a cheap bayswater dungeon with three servants and the shopping done at whiteley's i'll turn my dresses and trim my hats and you'll give up your clubs to curse in a stuffy drawing-room while you play bezique with your dear wife till we go to bed at ten no more betting on podascus james no more whist drives or bridge or any such expensive naughtinesses and how nice it will be for you james to flirt with those earnestly fashionable suburban girls who are just half an hour behind the times and who here jim rent his garments from leah's grasp and departed in haste with an impolite word 
his wife's humour did not appeal to him in the least and he banged the door unnecessarily hard leah returned to warm her toes and laugh till she cried there was something excessively amusing in the idea of jim setting up for a plaster saint for once in his dull life he displayed a sense of humour and she picked up the discarded novel with a fresh burst of laughter at the picture of the bayswater menage as drawn by her fertile fancy jim as a middle-class philistine tickled her even more than jim in a stained-glass attitude with an artificial halo misfitting his empty head but a remembrance of the cheque payable to jim and of her husband's possible position at the moment telling clumsy truths to an aggrieved father made her serious certainly the duke pleased to hear his son speak honestly for once in a life of consistent fibbing might shed tears over a hastily produced cheque-book jim's falsehoods in times of pressing need were almost inspired and it was not impossible that he might return with the loot then the tradespeople being paid leah decided that she could run up fresh bills to any amount they would be all the more eager to give her unlimited credit when they knew that the duke was in the background decidedly the prospect was not so bad and after all it might be dangerous to make real-life experiments in sensational fiction these common-sense reflections led lady jim to thank the watchful fetish for governing her tongue during the afternoon demetrius could be nasty when he liked she was certain of that and it was just as well to give him no chance some people carried tyranny to a ridiculous excess and liked to hear their victims squeal unmeaningly leah did not belong to the squealing species and vowed a vow that demetrius should never have an opportunity of provoking such feudal outcries as a gleam of good sense warned her of possible danger she decided to avoid the russian or only to flirt sufficiently to make him miserable and jim cross having settled the question in the sensible way leah sought her room to dress for the five o'clock muffin scramble she assumed the prettiest tea-gown she possessed for the truly feminine purpose of irritating demetrius into overestimating what he had lost descending like a homeric deity in a cloud of lace she went at once to the library and restored to his place the text-book of her proposed fraud fortunately the room was empty so no one would ever know that the novel had been read with a view to plagiarism not that it mattered much now since jim was proceeding on the lines of honesty is the best policy leah hoped fervently that he would succeed but felt more than a trifle doubtful jim was so new to the straightforward method of gaining his ends the house-party was picnicking in the winter garden a delightful eden where tropical plants flourished in defiance of the season on its glass roof the hail rattled like small shot and through its glass walls could be seen the bleak wintry landscape faintly white in the deepening gloom 
these glimpses of the unpleasant increased the sense of comfort and over-civilized humanity luxuriated in the warm atmosphere as independent of nature's laws as the palm-trees under which it ate and drank and talked scandal the frumps nibbled dry toast and sipped milk the fashionables devoured dainty sandwiches and enjoyed the strongest of tea and both aided digestion with chatter and laughter it was the complacent contentment of animals mumbling a plentiful meal and for the moment all spiritual instincts were governed by material needs mrs penworthy's courtiers were feeding their queen who had a large appetite for so small a woman after a full meal she was disposed to be amiable even to freddy had he been there but she became decidedly cross when some of the court deserted her for that woman as she termed lady jim leah was feminine enough to enjoy the fallen expression on mrs penworthy's face and accepted with marked pleasure the attentions of those who crowded round her the sight gave mrs penworthy a fit of indigestion which prevented her enjoying a late dinner it was hard that her vanity had to content itself with the banal compliments of the faithful algy who tried to be a host in himself and was snubbed for his ambition may i present my nephew to you asked lord sargon in his thin precise voice leah intimated that she would be charmed and found herself nodding to a slim dark young man clean-shaven and alert he looked more alive than the languid youths around her and she was not surprised when sargon explained that mr askew was a naval officer who had lately returned from a five years cruise i thought you hadn't been wrapped up in cotton wool all your life said lady jim when sargon had removed the attendant youths and the lieutenant was making himself agreeable in a bluff briny way do i look so uncivilized he asked with laughing eyes highly you are the nearest approach to prehistoric man i have yet seen said she and thus was unjust to jim i am sorry oh there's no need to apologize i dare say circe found ulysses very agreeable homer says so answered askew who appeared to be well read but if i am ulysses you must be circe i accept the compliment is it a compliment asked the prehistoric man daringly unless meant for one it should not have been said beg pardon i'm several kinds of ass but i did mean it civilly you know circe was a clever woman whose magic turned men into outward semblances of their real characters lady jim smiled scornfully and if my magic could transform these she glanced disparagingly round the place what a menagerie it would be pigs and snakes and parrots and dogs of the mongrel kind mr askew do you speak of yourself he nodded laughingly dogs are so devoted that means you wish to attach yourself to me said leah gravely i might take you at your word i need a friend but ulysses deserted circe askew laughed and gazed admiringly at her beautiful pensive face we talk parables i think he said with assumed lightness 
prehistoric man always did i understand on the contrary his speech was direct and blunt mine will be now smiled lady jim this cup has been empty for five minutes and you never offered two the young man took the tiny cup hastily but for the publicity of the place i would ask you to tread upon my prostrate body leah eyed his lithe active figure as he went to the bamboo table presided over by lady frith he was really a delightful sailor-man she reflected and quicker than most of his sex to understand the unspoken it might be more amusing to drop demetrius and flirt with him but then his face was too honest and he might object to being made use of men of that kind are so dreadfully in earnest sighed leah with a sense of irritation they think a woman always means what she says askew walked lightly over the mosaic floor with a fresh cup of tea and a plate of hot cakes some man bustled in his way and he stopped to avoid an upset of his burden at the moment he glanced towards the moorish door which admitted triflers into the winter paradise to lady jim's wonderment he started and a look of surprise overspread his expressive face her eyes turned at once in the direction of the entrance and she beheld jim blinking his eyes at the dazzle of light he looked heavy and sullen which hinted that the interview with the duke had not been successful but leah forgot that momentous question for the moment as her quick brain was trying to understand askew's look of surprise before she could ask herself what he could possibly know about jim he approached with the tea this is nice and hot he said placing the plate on the table at her elbow and offering the cup i hope you'll forgive me for neglecting you on one condition replied leah stirring her tea consider it fulfilled was the impetuous answer why did you look surprised when you saw that gentleman at the door leah pointedly suppressed the fact that kames was her husband as if there was anything she would learn it the more easily by pretending that jim was a stranger in fact should ask you learn that the man who had startled him was her lawful lord he might decline to open his lips the lieutenant's next words proved the wisdom of her concealment oh baring he said carelessly well i was surprised to see baring so unexpectedly is his name baring asked lady jim guessing that she was about to learn something connected with jim's very shady past yes i met him in lima lima in peru and that's in south america leah nodded i did learn geography at school she said setting down her empty cup and when askew coloured at the implied snub softened it by asking a friendly question you are surprised at meeting mr er er baring here yes i said so before a nice sort of chap but selfish what a reader of character you are mr askew he looked up eagerly you know him then a little why do you ask the young man stared at the ground and replied in muffled tones i thought you might have met his wife mrs baring of course leah began to laugh 
the idea that jim might be a bigamist had never struck her before she had guessed that there was a woman connected with those frequent journeys to lima but that jim had adopted the mormon religion was news some women would have been angry but leah had no amatory feelings likely to arouse jealousy so she was frankly amused at her husband's duplicity also she was sorry for mrs baring who perhaps was silly enough to love jim is she a nice woman was her next question she's an angel that means you love her how do you because you are a brick wall i can see through mr askew no i have never met mrs baring why did she throw you over and marry mr er baring askew looked quite alarmed i say you are clever he remarked why not you called me circe and i must live up to the name well well echoed askew blankly and their eyes met he coloured no i can't tell you he said quickly for he guessed her desire yes you can and you will rejoined leah composedly jim was bearing the artillery of mrs penworthy's eyes in his usual indifferent way and showed no disposition to seek out his wife probably he would remain for the next hour in the clutches of the little woman who was the limpet to jim's rock this being so leah began to ask questions which askew hesitated to answer we hardly know one another he murmured embarrassed i daren't tell you lady james ah then there's something improper in the matter askew flushed through his bronze skin not at all he said in a brusque tone signorita fajardo is all that is good and holy and pure what bread and butter thought leah wondering if jim had stumbled upon a convent but she was too wise to quote byron to this young man who apparently was simple enough to regard love as something sacred fajardo she repeated a spanish name and a spanish lady he said gloomily lola fajardo of the estancia san iago near rosario i thought you said of lima no i met her there she is in the habit of stopping at lima with her aunt but her true home is at rosario in the santa fe province of the argentine republic i wonder if baring brought her to england she was madly in love with him she must have been to marry him oh baring's a good-looking chap and not bad said askew with the innate chivalry of a man towards a successful rival i suppose they did marry oh then you are not certain no i never even knew if they were engaged but when i joined my ship again at Callao, every one said marriage they were so uncommonly thick i must ask baring i'm sure he'll be delighted to afford you the information you seek was lady jim's ironical reply have you seen mrs baring asked the young man eagerly no i don't think any mrs baring is stopping here then perhaps he did not marry lola after all cried askew rising hastily and with flashing eyes unless his voice fell she is dead leah yawned really i don't know she replied you'd better ask 
mr baring i see he is passing out of the garden with mrs penworthy in that case i can't spoil sport laughed the lieutenant with an obvious effort but later on later on of course she said rising here comes your uncle lord sargon advanced and with an apologetic look towards leah took askew's arm i wish to present you to lady canby he said the young man looked towards his charmer will you permit me to leave you for a time certainly you will find lady canby delightful and as prehistoric as you can wish we may meet after dinner and with a nod she left the winter garden for the purpose of seeking solitude she wanted to think over jim's iniquities and to consider what use might be made of them for her own benefit lady canvey was delighted to receive askew as she liked handsome young men especially when they were deferential and attentive as this new acquaintance appeared to be though i'm a bad substitute for lady jim she remarked pleasantly lady jim that charming creature with whom you have been talking yes of course lady canvey she is indeed charming but private property her husband is the duke's second son at present in the clutches of that little harpy mrs penworthy don't you make love to lady jim or you'll burn your fingers i mistrust red-haired women myself but she and jim match each other capitally their marriage was made in heaven and lady canvey chuckled is her husband here asked askew looking round anxious to see who owned circe of the many wiles no he went out with mrs penworthy a quarter of an hour ago askew remembered how lady jim had drawn his attention to an outgoing couple didn't the lady go out with a mr baring he gasped no with lord jim kaimes and she his wife the lady i askew stopped with a groan try an unmarried woman advised lady canby misunderstanding his emotion it's more proper and less expensive End of chapter eight